Hey y'all, my name is Amara, an upcoming product of a PWI who dabbled into the life of HBCUs. And I have a problem that this is a debate. All right, Amara, how are you? I'm good. That's good, that's good. So you have a problem, HBCU versus PWI. Yes, I have a problem. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of the reasonings behind who likes this, who prefers this, this offers what. It's all invalid. But you've been to both. True. Okay, so let's talk about before college. Let's talk about where you're from and what that has to do with you making an informed decision about where you go to college. All right, so I'm from Mansfield. And for those of you who aren't really sure where that's at, I'm guessing the two closest cities you can think of is like Arlington and maybe like Grand Prairie. So both of those, I feel like those two Maybe not even Grand Prairie, girl. You might have to go ahead and say (laughs) Dallas. Go ahead and just say (laughs) Dallas. Because if somebody asks me where I'm from, guess what I'm asking? Guess what I'm saying? Dallas. Dallas. Anyways, but yeah, so all of our surrounding cities are pretty much a good mixture of all kinds of different demographics. But when you get to Mansfield, all you think of is white, which is really what it is. You know, um, behind the history of what they tell us of Mansfield, how innovative it was and all that stuff, they neglect to tell you that it was a racist-ass town, which is low-key still is. So my high school, um, very, like, one-sided, lots of, you know, upper class, and, um... You know, you stuck out if you were black or, you know, any other kind of minority. So. So you and I both went to the same high school, so I'm sure that our experiences are the same. Mm -hmm. But were you involved at Mansfield? And I mean, did that help you feel more included in any way or no? So I was on the basketball team. Um, ever since my freshman year and just to go off that like I was at that school for a full four years I had one black teacher the entire time it was my freshman English teacher Um, her husband was also the head basketball coach for the guys at the time and um, oh yeah, uh, Williams. Yes, the Williams. Okay. Yes, she was like the black Barbie to me. She yeah. always had her hair pressed and curled with yes, pink lipstick, not red, not nude, pink. And I loved her. She was very attentive, and she understood that, um, you know, you got to give attention to all kids, especially the ones who you know aren't getting attention. And, you know, not the ones that are struggling, not the ones who try to get involved and, you know, don't really fit. But the black people, she knew what's up. (laughs) I babysat her kids for like a month. Oh, wow. I really did. Um, So, yeah, I was on the basketball team. And um, I think just because um, I knew her husband, um, I felt pretty cool. I'm not even going to lie. I felt cool. Um, They were all very... um, you know, inclusive in um, our own coach, Coach Stewart, um, my freshman year, she was a black woman and everybody knew Coach Stewart or Stu. And, um, you know, they were kind of scared of her. She was, I'm not even gonna lie, she was that bitch. <laughs> she was, like, she, she was terrifying. <laughs> she had this presence that you just knew, like, all right, let me get it together because Stewart's here. Um, and do you think that, made a positive impact on the black girls on the team in the long run maybe not at the time because I know how everybody felt about her at the time Mm -hmm. but looking back do you think that either coach Stewart or Miss Williams shaped you in any way when it came to being a black girl at that time in a place where you didn't feel that you fit in how did they contribute to your self-image they contribute to it a lot because aside from having a hardworking mother who helped shape my image and the way I felt about myself she wasn't always able to be around because she worked all the time so it was good to see another black woman in a role who could structure me in a different way than right. besides being at home and show me how to like 
you know, be about my business. She right. showed me how Absolutely. to not necessarily act accordingly, but, um, you know, just like let these white folks know what's up. Like right. I'm here too. Exactly. And, you know, just because I don't straighten my hair or it's not down to my back yeah. or, you know, I don't like have a group of friends at a lunch table who can laugh out loud and I get oh stopped by one of the vice principals right. telling me I'm being too loud, you know, I was still popping. That's kind of right. how they made me feel. <laughs> right. So right out of high school, what school did you attend? I went to Clark Atlanta University in Georgia. Okay, so pretty well-known university. Okay, True. pretty up there. True. Um, how, did you, how did you pick Clark? So, this is going to sound like so... Why are you even talking about this? But the initial school that I wanted to go to was LSU because it was my mom's alma mater. Right. I'm from Louisiana. Um, I toured the school three times and I loved it. But um, I don't know. It was something about when I was writing my essay for why I felt like LSU was right for me. And when I was looking like at the curriculum and everything, it just was very repetitive. It's it just reminded me of all that I was um, neglected when I was in high school. Like, I didn't, I wasn't able to like take an African American studies class. I wasn't right. able to, you know, learn about Black history besides in the four weeks in February. Yeah. And I, I wanted something different, so I applied to Southern University in Baton Rouge. Um, I applied to Spelman. I applied to Clark Atlanta, and I got into all three. So, so were came, you dead set on going out of state? Oh, like I was you were dead not set. I didn't want to go to <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I just did not want to go. Because I was waiting for the Texas school, mm -hmm. and I didn't hear it. Because I come from a family that's like, we're not doing out-of-state fees. So, yeah. literally, it was, here's a list of Texas schools. <laughs> Have your pick. <sighs> But don't be looking anywhere else. And let me know what's up. Yeah, so I'm just listening talk. like, wow, <laughs> privilege. Okay, go ahead. So, okay, like I said, I'm from Louisiana. And um, we have property out there for uh, where um, my uncle lives. Okay. So I was going to get in-state tuition for Southern. Right. Okay, bet, bet, So bet. that was Finesse. a, okay, bet, check. Okay, yes. And Spelman and Clark, they're private institutions. Um and like you said, they're kind of prestigious, so there are no out-of-state fees. Tuition is just dumb high. Okay. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I Tell actually me something. didn't know that either. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when I when I did my tour for Clark and Spelman, you know, because they're uh, sister schools, they're right next to each other along with Morehouse and um, Morris Brown, so... You know, campuses are both beautiful, um, decent size, but um, the environment of Clark, uh, I mean, of course, there's like that whole sisterhood thing going on with Spelman because it's an all-girls school, but it was something about like the camaraderie that uh, Clark had, and I just felt like I meshed well better there. So that's how I chose. Okay, so you chose Clark, which I would say is a privilege because there is a hierarchy of HBCUs. There's the ones that are at the top and the ones that no one has heard of. Sad but true. Um, like Houston Tillotson. Mm -hmm. um, Paul well, Quinn. Paul Quinn. You know college? what? I didn't even hear about Paul Quinn until this year, and mm -hmm. I've been living an hour away from it yep. for like 13 years now and had mm -hmm. never heard of it and so you know that's another thing that's an issue is representation mm -hmm. um but here Clark that's definitely a school that everybody's heard of so mm -hmm. definitely an experience going there so being a young black female college freshman at Clark Atlanta what was that like like just describe for me your first couple of weeks at Clark. So, 
at first I was like very overwhelmed. So I was 12 hours away. Right. I'm living in Georgia. Like, I mean, nobody could have told me like anything else. Oh, I'm, you know, living in Lubbock. I'm, I'm up the street living in North Texas. Like what you in? Oh, I'm in Georgia. Yeah. Like I've, I enjoyed it. And I like cities, you know, like Mansfield's kind of small and the school I went to made me feel stagnant. So I felt again, popping, like yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was a whole new cesspool of black people. Like, right. it was people who, like, you know, those were the new upper class. And wow. it was it was just something so completely different for me. I enjoyed, um, like, the culture of it all. And I feel like that's where a lot of people, like, get hazy when they get in this discussion. They just think of the culture. They don't think of the education, the opportunities. Right. I got to meet Bernie Sanders, like it's it's something yeah it matters yeah but at the same time like it was a privilege to be a black girl at hbcu but at the same time it was a disadvantage to be a black girl at hbcu because everybody else was too exactly so it's kind of funny like i'm like contradicting myself i uh hated that i kind of stood out in high school but now I wasn't standing out at all. At all. Right. Wow. <laughs> and that's made all the difference. So tell me about the best experience you had at Clark. So, well, tell everybody how long did you end up staying at Clark? So I only went to Clark for my freshman year. Okay. So during that time... What was one of the best experiences that you had that you could truly take something away from and kind of look back on now and be like, wow, that was truly something, you know? Cross-registration. I think I have like two or three. So cross-registration, like getting taking, getting to take classes um, at Morehouse or Spelman. Oh, wow. Um, That's cool. I got to be on a service project to kind of resurrect Morris Brown. Um, and honestly, I'm going to say it again. I know culture is like a big thing that people like see on the outside looking in. But um, homecoming and spring fest, those are great too. But I really like that because um, of the black market that they always had going on. So right. first they already had that going on every Thursday and Friday. You know, different vendors from around Atlanta. Like black-owned? Yeah, okay. black-owned. They would come out and, like, sell their stuff. And people were really supported. And it was some cool stuff, too. Like, a lot of people don't know. That's where the whole Goddess Dope thing originated from. Right. And look how big that is now. Yeah. So, um, I really enjoyed that. Um, Cross-registering. I took a class at Morehouse. It was... Um, yeah, how was that? So Tell us about that. <laughs> Tell us about Morehouse. <laughs> Oh, Morehouse. <laughs> so many means. <laughs> I really, I really, I don't know. Morehouse is just an amazing school. Like, the kind of men that they produce is really something else. Like, y'all would think that they do brainwashing there, okay? Because yeah. you can take a dude from probably like South Oak Cliff and he'll come out looking like he came from Princeton. Right. It's seriously something. It's the mission that they instill in these young men. And same goes for Spellman. It's the mission that they instill in these um students to be the best of the best because there ain't no other choice. Right. You either at the top or you're at the bottom. There's no in between with black people. There's not. So it was just it was like very um thrilling for me. To just see, you know, the different perspectives and the different backgrounds that people came from and how they applied that to their drive. Like, these people were hungry, and I really liked hearing what they had to say. And same goes for the professors. Like, they were, I felt like I was back in Miss Williams' class my freshman year of high school. They were so endearing and cared about, you know, not just my academics, but what else I was doing like outside of class to give back to my community to take that back to my home to where I can show them that um you know I'm not the girl on the basketball team with the natural hair anymore 
um, right. you know, the next Michelle Obama, so what? Right. It was really interesting. So do you think in all of those experiences, there was an element of representation? And that's really a big thing to me because for me as my, like myself, I'm on track to become a black educator. And that is my dream of dreams Mm -hmm. is to just be an educator to black youth, their communities and their families. That's my end all be all. So representation has been huge to me. Like I said, I've been to both, you know, I started at a PWI and now I'm at an HBCU and I've seen the differences. And one of the biggest things was I did not see educators who looked like me, Mm -hmm. period, period. Yeah. And the people I saw at Texas State that looked like me were the ones in the calf, or the ones driving the shuttle, Mm -hmm. or the ones cleaning up the lecture hall after. Those were the black people that I saw at a PWI. And that representation, it was lacking extremely. And I remember one issue at Texas State that bothered me so bad was we had one lady. I think her name was Miss Johnny something um and if I have any listeners from Texas State y'all know who I'm talking about (laughs) she was this one dynamite Miss Skyler um that was another one just these dynamite black women on campus who were so well known but my issue was when you looked at every single black org one of their names was under that advisor position. Mm-hmm. And I would I would think these women have to be torn from every limb trying to keep up with all of these organizations because there were no black people. Mm-hmm. These black organizations wanted black adults mm-hmm. in charge of them so that they could execute the visions that they had without being looked at like they were crazy because Mm -hmm. if they went to a white professor or a white staff member and said hey do you want to be the advisor for the african student association they might be like okay but then when you bring them the menu Mm -hmm. for you know the fashion show night or whatever and they're like what what is what is this i thought we were just gonna you know have chick-fil-a bring a nugget tray you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. they wanted to be able to do what they wanted to do they wanted to be able to exercise that, but there was no representation except for these two women or this one black man. Right. Um, and they were doing it all. And that was my main issue. So when I got to Texas Southern in Houston, it was the complete opposite. I mean, when I start seeing them, I'm not even going to lie, it's going to sound so bad. When I start seeing them white folks cleaning up, and I start seeing them white people serving lunch. And I start seeing, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, that's, that's the reparations. So, <laughs> my, yeah, my teachers were awesome. Because I'm looking at you and I'm seeing what I can do. What I can be. Mm-hmm. And I would have teachers who would say, you know, I'm old and... My time is almost done doing this. You guys have to be the next ones. And I'm just like, sometimes I feel like because of the lack of representation and the lack of encouragement, I just feel like the last of the pioneers are like on their way out because Mm -hmm. we just won't do anything because we don't see enough being done. Right. And it sounds counterproductive. Like, why do you feel like you have to do something if what am I trying to say if they didn't do nothing for you right like why why do I feel like I have to do a lot when there's still people here who are still working on it okay but if I don't get involved how am I going to be able to pick up where they left off you Mm -hmm. know um so anyways rabbit hole (laughs) back to the conversation lord um back to Clark what about your 
worst experience there we've kind of talked about some issues that we see Mm -hmm. um involving representation but i'm sure there are so many other issues that Mm -hmm. happen within an hbcu so tell me about some of those so like you mentioned earlier hbcus are there's a hierarchy to it you have the top of the top and then you just have those that go unrecognized um that's a good way and to describe it. This, <laughs> that's the same way it is in those different respective institutions. So you have the top of the top black people at HBCUs, and then you have those that go unrecognized. Right. And I fell into those that were unrecognized. So Why do you think that was? You know, I think what people love to look at... Um, like the different people that are at these institutions, like the students, they they like to look at those people who came from those like the dirty depths of like the different areas in the nation. So like, you know, students from Chicago. Oh right. Um, you know, Detroit, those who like kinda like grew up in the gutter who made it out. Yeah. Who They're looking um, for that story. Yes. They're look there's like a certain type of student that you have to be when you go to those top of the top HBCUs. Right. And um You can't just be a regular girl from Mansfield, you Texas. You can't be a regular girl from Mansfield, Texas. You just I don't know. And I'm not trying to make myself a victim because, you know, I could have gotten out and did so much more I had plans you know for my following years there but there are other factors such as like financial and monetary things that just didn't work out for me which is why I didn't continue my education there so it's not that like I didn't go out and take advantage of the different opportunities that I had it's just that some people were kind of structured for HBCUs and I wasn't Okay. So, am so I you just personally life? felt that you just weren't kind of cut out for that environment. Yeah, I I just I don't think I went to the proper school that gave me all of like the background and the small stuff that I needed to prepare me for a life of you know black people who are on the top. So, well, with that being said. A couple of weeks ago, um, I was telling you earlier about a service project that I did in South Dallas, and I ended up being able to talk to the principal who was a black woman who was born and raised in South Dallas. And I told her kind of my woes about, you know, the PWI uh, took me off track and I should have just went to an HBCU in the first place. And she said something to me, she kind of broke it down in a way that I like to share with you and see how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. She told me that the college that you choose comes from a need that you have inside. For example, she went to high school in South Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know how South Dallas is. Yeah. She went to school with black people. She had that environment. Mm-hmm. So when it was time to pick a college she didn't feel the need to choose an HBCU because she had already been in that environment her whole life mm-hmm. so she ended up choosing UT Austin mm-hmm. now for me she said as soon as you told me you went to high school in Mansfield I can see why you wanted to go to an HBCU mm-hmm. because I didn't have that experience being around people that look like me and that mm-hmm. was a need that I had on the inside that I didn't feel that it was being met until I got to an HBCU. Mm-hmm. Because me going to a PWI seemed like a continuation of mm-hmm. high school, which I dreaded so much, you okay. know. So, of course, I was still going to be miserable when I mm-hmm. went to that 13th grade type of environment. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, for you, you may or may not agree with that because you went to Mansfield and, you know, it really wasn't that great. Then you went to Clark and you still didn't feel that you were being satisfied by mm-hmm. your educational experience. So, you know, what do you think about that theory about you selecting your own environment based on a need that you have? Because I'm in triggered. your case, you're triggered. <laughs> <laughs> I feel attacked. I feel like I have a target on my back. And I'm so, I want her contact. Because <laughs> I need her email. I'm going to write a letter. I'm, I'm going to write a letter. 
Well, okay, so you agree. <laughs> you agree. I feel like that's so true, and I still don't think that, you know, I don't think it's just a need for something that I was, like, deprived of. I still don't, I don't think it's centered around that because okay. of the way I was raised and how I said, like, I stuck out in high school. A big part of that was because, honestly, the, the other black girls around me, they... Like, of course, they knew that they were black, but they didn't embrace it the way that I did. Okay. And um, it's not me taking a shot at you. It's just, you know, you got to get it how you can. Right. So if you can get in with the white people and be cool with that, that's fine. It's just I couldn't. Like, right. I didn't have a desire to necessarily just right. because of the white people that were around me. And, you know, of course, I had the ones on the basketball team who are amazing and the other ones who, like, you know, maybe I had a class project with, but the ones that, you know, just weren't so accepting of me because I was too accepting of myself. Wow. Other people didn't. Other black girls like that, that didn't go like that. I'm going to have to run that back. <laughs> I hope you know. Okay, so, so, ooh, Lord, I don't know if we're going to get to all these questions because <laughs> the tea is scalding. Um... <laughs> Let's talk about that because that's a problem that I had as I still might have it. I don't know, but that's what we're here for because I have a problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. With that being said about the girls, this goes on into HBCU culture as well. Yeah. Because in high school, like you said, the girls were able to be black but still find that acceptance from the white students who ran the school you know Mm -hmm. and that was me the whole time it was me trying to figure out who I had to be in order to be popular right that was what high school was for me and the thing is I never figured it out (laughs) I never figured out who the perfect person was to be Mm -hmm. so that I could fit in everywhere Mm -hmm. So my life ended up being, like I said, a continuation of that process. And since I was always trying to figure out who to be in order to be accepted, I never figured out just who I was, period. Mm -hmm. So I've always had like an identity issue because in high school, the black girls, the ones I thought were going to be the ones I needed to seek out, were not fooling with me. Because you wasn't black enough. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wait, y'all are supposed to be the ones that hold me down, look out for me. Mm-hmm. But I was receiving backlash from them as well. So it further pushed me out and made me seek that friendship in, you know, girls who were not black. Mm-hmm. So when I went to a PWI, um, I had that group of girls I started out with a group of six black girls and they were everything to me everything we did we did together Mm -hmm. so I never had to worry about that and that was what really comforted me about being there Mm -hmm. so I stayed there for two years and um didn't have an issue with that but when I went to Texas Southern in 2016 I started to see that same thing Mm -hmm. because it's that whole there's a hierarchy within the hierarchy yes so everybody here is black Mm -hmm. so we have to find another way to separate ourselves isn't that crazy that's exactly what it was isn't that crazy people will be so afraid to have something in common with you that they will do whatever they can to find something different. Mm-hmm. And so at an HBCU, we're all black, so we got to find another way to categorize ourselves. So there's the fashion ones, the yeah. ones who have separated themselves because they know how to dress and, you know, they, they got money or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's the plugs. There's always the group of people who can separate themselves because they're hustling and and getting money and doing all that type of stuff there's the black people who are in the stem program Mm -hmm. and like at tsu the people who are in aviation they've all grouped themselves and so at first glance it's like 
I felt that I needed to pick a category to be in before I even stepped on campus. Right. Because I needed to know that I would be able to settle in somewhere right away. Mm -hmm. Because I have anxiety about not having friends or about not having people with me. Yeah. Girl, that's since changed. I love to be alone now. Leave me alone. (laughs) But before, you know, I came from having a group of six girls that would hit me up when they're about to brush their teeth. You know what I mean? And now I'm like... I'm eating lunch in my car because I don't know what yep. to do. So I can definitely attest to feeling like even the black girls don't get me. So mm-hmm. what do I do? Mm-hmm. So I can see how that would have been a problem at right. Clark. Okay, so now that we've gone on a tangent um, regarding HBCUs, let's get into the pwi side of it and um it's a little late in the game for this but just to define these terms um hbcu would stand for historically black college or university and pwi stands for predominantly white institution Mm -hmm. um there are still people out there that don't know that so there's that if you've been confused the entire episode um but yeah so let's talk PWIs so you finished your freshman year at Clark Mm -hmm. and what happened after that so the second semester like honestly in March uh my mom told me I wasn't returning to Clark and I know what I was gonna do I never wanted to get into the whole transferring I didn't want to start over I didn't want to have to worry about getting in somewhere else it was too much so um you know I did my research I was looking around because although like I struggled like my basically my whole first semester at Clark my second semester was just so much better because of other factors but um I couldn't go back to just you know the regular regular white people couldn't right. do it so I needed to go somewhere where you know like diversity was like a pillar and um I could really like you know, express myself and take my talents or whatever. So, toured UH, University of Houston, and I loved it, to be honest. Um, I still really do like UH. I mean, everybody has their problems with their respective university, but I I really like it. So, I chose to go to University of Houston. Okay, so you've been going there since... 2016 so I started fall of 2016 and um I'll be entering my senior year in the fall okay come on senior year (laughs) come on I'm graduating come on I'm done okay so (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about the best and worst Mm -hmm. of U of H so what's one of your best moments at U of H so far okay so Right off the bat, it's the opportunities. Um, You know, you can always join organizations and stuff like that on a college campus, but University of Houston, it feels like they have, like, endless opportunities. Like, you know, you get opportunity, you get opportunities (laughs) everywhere. Like, it's, you really just have to, like, go out and look for it, Um, but it's there for you. So I really enjoy that. And something that I didn't get at Clark that I was able to, you know, get into at UH was the different black organizations. So, like I said, I had a problem, like, finding a way to stand out at HBCU. And um, I got, like, the right amount of my limelight at UH. So, while clark had like the national organizations like naacp and you know national society of black engineers and those kinds of organizations they didn't have a bsu they didn't have um they didn't have african student organization they didn't have anything like that for specific interest of different black people and that's where i think they're kind of at fault with i'm not sure if other organized um other HBCUs have that, but Clark didn't, and that's what I really liked about UH. That's one thing I was going to say, because like we were saying, 
they'll find a way to categorize themselves mm-hmm. but can't put together a club for mm-hmm. those categories. But I will say, um, not my HBCU, because <laughs> at Texas Southern University over there on Claiborne, okay. you're going to find a club for everything. <laughs> like, they had... Child, what was it? The um, girl, they had Caribbean students organization. We have that at U. They had um, California club for students who were from California. All you got to do is be from California. Well, they did have that. They had a Texas Cali club. club. Shout out Cali club at TSU. Okay. I don't know why you got into that. Like you're not from Texas, but <laughs> they did have a Texas club. At um in the Atlanta University. Okay, Center. because I was like, why they had a Texas club at U of H when everybody? <laughs> <laughs> okay, they had it at Clark. They had it at Clark. Were and you so in the Texas club? Like I was. Okay. For a semester. Okay. <laughs> um. At least you tried it. I'm sorry. I'm curious. It. I know everyone else is curious. <laughs> what do you do in the Texas club? Okay, so what were the, meetings? the very first what? meeting, of course, it was like, shout out your city. Okay. Um, like, and it got critical. So somebody was like, what's up? My name Marcus. I'm from Dallas. Somebody from the other side of the room. Mm, what part of Dallas? Oh, they so won't we're let you hoods. make it. Mm-hmm. Okay. They won't they let you won't. make it. And he <laughs> proudly said, under his breath, <clears throat> Mid <laughs> You're from what? Okay. Mid Okay, Mid Lothian doesn't even count. Marcus. Like, let me know because you're not being true to yourself. Just so. to clarify, if you're from Mid Lothian, this is no shade, but that's not Dallas and it's not even close. So don't even try that. You can't do that. It was something. And wow. then, you know, somebody was like, Oh, I'm from Grand Prairie. Don't get it twisted. It's not Dallas. It's Grand Prairie. You know, there's... Okay, you can have Grand Prairie. Right. We so, are like, not while... One. I just thought it was funny because, like, while we're in Texas, well, since I've, like, you know, been in Mansfield slash Dallas area, whatever, and, you know, I really live in Houston, I realized that Texas really only has one beef, and it's Dallas versus Houston. Right. But if you're in another state... You better come correct. So you'll hear, oh, I'm from Funky Town. Okay, stop. Fort Worth. Yeah. Um, I'm from Midlothian. I'm from Oak Cliff. I'm from South Oak Cliff. Like, yeah. there's so many different little things to touch on. So yeah. But that was I mean, funny. The, the inclusion mm-hmm. at TSU is really beyond belief. They really do a good job of making space for whatever you want to do and I think it kind of reminds me of that um that choir solo type thing like when you go up there to sing your solo and there's that one old lady who was like it's all right baby go on and sing your song (laughs) that's how they are at TSU because if I said um you know I I really love plants and I just want to start a club about plants you know i got a couple friends all right well here you go an application and you start your little plant club write it down mm-hmm. you put your names and we're gonna start your plant club because <laughs> they care about whatever you want to do they want you to just be the best so it's not so much about creating the the best engineers mm-hmm. or the best doctors or the best nurses it's about creating black people who believe in themselves no matter what right. they are doing. And I think that's the ultimate difference for me between a PWI and an HBCU. I honestly think that's a main difference between HBCUs in general. So like we said, going back, there's a hierarchy. The smaller HBCUs that go on notice, PV, TSU, even back all the way to Houston Tillerson. Like... I feel like because they're such smaller institutions and they're in Texas, which I I don't know. I don't know if it's because, like, I've lived here for so long or we've lived here for so long. I just feel like Texas is like, you know, we're our own nation. You come from Texas, we shooting up. Yeah, everybody's coming together, even Houston and Dallas. Even Houston (laughs) and Dallas. Like, there's, like, no place like Texas. But 
I feel like within that, it's just. Okay, so tell me about one of the worst experiences you ever had at U of H. UH, whatever y'all are calling it these days. These days. Mm. So, uh, off the bat, it was fitting in. And uh, a big part of that was just mostly because I transferred, but I've, I felt like I've always, like, struggled with, like, finding, um, like, my niche in yeah. wherever I was at. Um, I don't know. I'm not super friendly. So, like, to just go up to you, start a conversation, and then be boom, like, I... I don't like doing that. I hate small talk. I hate the get to know you stage. Ugh, too much. Yeah. Um, but that's honestly a personal problem that I can fix on my own. Like, you know, just getting out of my own mind and really putting myself out there. So, um, but a more like in-depth issue that I had with UH was the lack of representation. And, um, you know, I, I've had Indian professors, Asian professors, you know, they they thought they was doing it with that one. Right. They thought like, you know, okay, this will definitely add to our whole diversity uh idea. But a lot of people don't realize that there's a second part to diversity, which is inclusion. So, you know, black mental health is a major thing yes. in our community. So why don't you think it's appropriate to have maybe a black healthcare professional if you offer free counseling to students you should definitely have somebody who can you know attest to what I'm trying to tell you right because if I tell you that you know um I'm having anxiety issues or I'm stressed and you tell me ah it's probably finals that's all you can come up with you know black on this campus yeah that's that's all you can come up with because while like I'm not sure what like UH is you know trademark or hashtag or whatever it is i'm not sure if it's technically a pwi or a minority serving institution like unt is but you know which minorities are you serving which ones are you focusing on is it mostly the international students because that's honestly what i feel like it is because when it comes to the black students it's just oh look at them niggers niggering i don't know it's just (laughs) It's I don't feel it. I don't feel the attention that should be given to me. So it's kind of like there's more representation where the students are coming together than right. there is in the actual classroom or right. on the actual campus as far as administrative staff goes. Yes. However, there's still like I there's like a big lack of um camaraderie and inclusion within the black community at UH in itself and a lot of people have like you know brought this up in so many different ways because um you know I'm a leader on campus I hold a leadership position in NAACP um it's one of the biggest black organizations on my campus and you know I have to interact and meet with all the other black orgs every year it's called the black caucus just to you know figure out the events that we want to put on make sure schedules don't clash so students can go to all that you know all the orgs Mm -hmm. have to offer but it's always a competition of who name whose name goes on this event or um you know how many people come to this event and should this be this organization's event or this organization's event and you know there's always the discussion of you know black versus african and you know who identifies as what and all that stuff and so that's that's that the that's its own disconnect and it's just a disconnect all in its own so it's sad because like niggas will come out of for a party but right you know when it comes to talking about something that like matters like voter registration or you know mentoring at the high school that's across the street yeah y'all don't want to do that right and I don't know. It's just, you know, you complain about wanting to see a change and wanting to see, you know, black people coming together and really turning this institution around, but y'all don't really want to put in the work. Right. It's all about, oh, this is a word that I learned as soon as I got to University of Houston. It's all about the clout. 
Right. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that word. Like I get what it means, but it's just such an ugly word to it's say. Horrifying. Clout. That sounds I hate like a disease. Word. It does. Isn't there a disease that rhymes with that? Gout. The gout. Gout. <laughs> That's what I'm putting it with. Okay. I don't get okay. It. Okay, yeah, we just solved that one right there. Sure did. Okay, so one thing I really want to talk about is diversity, but in a different kind of way. Okay. So we've talked about Clark. We've talked about the University of Houston and everything in between. So... I really just want to ask, do you think that all in all, you're so close to graduating, you're almost done, so looking back on the whole experience, do you think that either experience would have been the same without the other? So do you think that your experience at Clark would have been different if you would have had a different high school experience, or do you think that your time at U of H would have been different? Um, without the time you spent at Clark? So I definitely do think it'll be different if I went to a different high school before I went to Clark. And I only get that, like, I come to that consensus because of what I've um, heard and experienced from other students that I went to school with at Clark. So, like I said before, they went to institutions that were gearing them for that kind of environment And, um, minus my background, like my family, I wasn't in that environment. So if I went somewhere that, you know, really pushed for HBCUs and really, um, you know, uplifted them, um, it would have been completely different. And I would have, I felt like I probably wouldn't have left. I would have had more opportunities for scholarships, more opportunities for um, just things of that nature that could have helped me stay. Okay. What is some advice you would give to someone who is trying to make that decision, whether it be a high school senior, whether it be someone continuing their education, or whether it be somebody like you and I who made the switch later on um what would be some advice that you have do your research talk to someone who has went to an hbcu and go to an hbcu (laughs) um (laughs) i'm sorry like i know i experienced my adversities but it's only because i did not prepare for it right and you know that's something that i will like regret but it's not like I'm not going to get another chance because I have hopes of, you know, going to graduate school back in HBCU. Right. And um, it's crazy because, you know, I don't know if anybody else has heard this who have, um, you know, did their undergrad at a PWI or a different institution and then is wanting to further their education at an HBCU. But they always say that, you know, it's not necessarily a smart move because it won't prepare you for what it's like in uh, white America. And um, I feel like if we, if we stick to that like stigma, then, you know, how are we going to be able to do what you're trying to do, which is, you know, break that barrier and then, you know, put people in places like people of color and black people in those places that they need to be right. more educators, more doctors, more lawyers, more police officers so i'm gonna do it right it's what i want to do it's i it's what i'm gonna do um so you think it's all in their preparation kind of i really do i really really do um especially if you're not coming from an area or a school that gives you information or like has any kind of resemblance to the environment that you're going to be around in a hbcu I really feel like you might be lost. I mean, I was lost for a while, and there was so much that I didn't know that kept me from trying to know more. And in the end, like, it added to me leaving. Right. Of course, I couldn't stay because of the financial reasons, but, you know, if that even, if that wasn't an issue, 
you still kind of would have had if I would have stayed right I still would have had that you know feeling in the back of my head so so do you think that sometimes it's okay if not better or wiser to go with what you know sometimes I do think it's okay because like I said I really enjoy University of Houston it offers me a lot and I've really grown since I've been there and while it's not like Mansfield it does have its Mansfield tendencies and I feel like anywhere we go because of you know the country that we live in mm-hmm. you're gonna run into these issues that you know you're gonna stick out because you're black you're gonna have to fight harder because you're black that's just how it is so even if you do choose a PWI over HBCU you gotta make it work right. and it may not tend to all your needs but you can make do okay <laughs> Well, Amara, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me on this, the third episode of the 12 Steph program. I, this was good. This is a really good <laughs> conversation. I'm actually really happy um, with everything that was said. Um, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you on social media, anything you might have going on, just any last remarks. All right. So I don't have much going on. I'm boring. <laughs> my twitter is hey mara that's at h-e-y-m-a-h-r-a and snapchat amara with two extra a's a-m-a-h-r-a-a-a <laughs> okay. okay um and that's it that's a wrap hey y'all this is stephanie the host of the 12 steph program Thanks for joining me again for episode three. If you have not heard episodes one and two, you can listen anywhere that you're listening to this podcast. Thanks so much.